Well, hello, folks. Okay, folks, I'm back, and I'd like to start the show off with an apology for the last two weeks. Uh, Last week, I had a family situation I had to take care of, but the funniest part was the uh, week before that. I actually started the show on time and ended up talking for about a good 45 minutes on the subject we're going to discuss today, which is quartz surfaces and quartz sites, and uh, realized that I accidentally closed a little window that comes up that keeps me on there, so... I ended up talking to myself for about 45 minutes and didn't record anything. So um, and I got some people laughing in the background to that. So anyway, we're going to redo that show. And this time, hopefully, we'll have other listeners other than uh, me talking to uh, talking to me. Uh, before we get the show started, though, uh, one of the things I, I'd like to mention that I saw on Facebook about a week ago, which is really interesting. And if anybody had any experience with uh, this particular type of sink, I want you to call in and let me know what your experience is. And I'll give you the phone number here in a minute. But it's basically what is called a bowless sink. In other words, you have a kitchen countertop or a vanity, which has no bowl in it, but the countertop is kind of tilted backwards a little bit at a certain angle and where the backsplash normally is is there's a drain there's a drain that you see there and it's called a bolus sink and someone posted that on my facebook page and as a matter of fact if you go to my facebook page which is uh just search for stone forensics and uh, i have it uh listed in there somewhere you can see what it looks like but anyway uh that's probably a good time to give you the phone number here if you have experience with that or you have any other question concerning stone tile uh it doesn't have to be what we're going to talk about today which is quartz surfaces and quartz site you can go ahead and give us a call at 323-870-3968 that is 323-870 3968, or you can send me an email, uh, which I have my email open right now, which is F Houston, which is spelled F H U E S T O N at gmail.com. I'm actually live on my Facebook page. So if you're on Facebook and you uh, want to go to Facebook and take a look there, uh, feel free to ask me a question there, or as I said, uh, go ahead and, and call in. All right. The reason I wanted to talk about quartz surfaces and quartz site is there, there's issues with both, obviously, but there's more than issues. I get a lot of uh, requests and calls and, and uh, on the confusion between the two. Now, let's first take a look at what is commonly called in the industry quartz surfaces or what I like to call engineered stone. Uh, these materials obviously are artificial, although they do have real quartz in it. Most manufacturers will tell you is about 7% resin and 93% quartz. Uh, That is true, but here's the interesting thing. The number they're giving you is by weight, by volume. If you were to look at the volume of resin to quartz, the volume is somewhere around 35%. So it is quite a bit of uh, a resin, and they use polyester resin, which I'll go into here in, in a moment. But uh, let's take a look at what quartz surfaces are. They're, they're becoming really big. Uh, you see a lot of advertisement, not in only the architectural magazines, the home magazines, but even on TV. And, and quite honestly, uh, it seems as though the quartz surface people have a lot more money to spend on advertising and marketing than the natural stone people do. So you're going to have customers coming into your shop. If you're a shop listening and you're, or you're a consumer, 
Uh, you're going to get a lot of good information here about quartz materials, quartz surface materials, where it can be used, where it cannot be used. And again, not to be confused with quartzite, which is a natural material, which we'll talk about uh, after we're done uh, talking about quartz surfaces here. Uh, and, and to maybe to uh, end the confusion here, I'll go ahead and refer to quartz surfaces as engineered stone. Now, engineered stone is made uh, a little differently than, than most what we call agglomerate type materials in that if you've ever seen, oh, a Cambria factory, a Silestone factory, or, uh, you know, a Zodiac factory by DuPont, uh, it's, it's very automated. Um, materials come in. You have quartz crystals in various sizes, ranging from very, very fine and something like a Caesar stone uh, to very coarse, uh, something like a, a, a Silestone or even a Cambria. And these materials get blended in a, in a blender, all dried. And, and what's interesting is those of you that have worked with polyesters in the past are probably in your mind thinking, well, aren't polyesters gel or liquids? In this case, they're not. They're actually, it's, it's mixed dry. So all these components, the quartz material, the polyester, and then your pigments, which give it its color, et cetera, are all blended dry. Uh, then it goes into a form where it's actually laid on a form and it ends up very, very thick. Uh, so it's spread out, made into the shape it, shape it is. It's actually almost twice as thick um, as, it, uh, as it would at the final product, in other words. And then it goes into a, 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 what they call a vibrocompaction. In other words, it, it goes under a, a vol uh, uh, under a vacuum as well as under a lot of pressure and kind of condenses it. So you end up with, say, a, you know, a six centimeter um, material becoming three centimeter material, and then it goes to the polishing line, just like any other any other stone stone would go through. So that's what your quartz material or your, your quartz surface material is, or in this case, your engineered stone. Now, advantages, obviously, I mentioned one is a marketing advantage because they're spending a lot of money promoting these materials. Uh, back in the day, there were only a few products out there, and today I can't keep up with all the products that are coming out. You know, besides the big ones such as Cambria, Silestone, um, Caesar Stone, Zodiac, to name just a few, there are materials coming out of China now, coming out of India. So you're getting various levels of, of quality coming into coming into the states as well as any other country for that matter. And there's there some several problems that exist. The number one problem that I'm seeing lately with these engineered materials is, and I think I mentioned this on a show or two before, is that they are polyester, made with polyester materials. What does that mean? Polyesters are very sensitive to ultraviolet light, to sunlight. So I see caterers in California or designers in California, Texas, Utah, um, you know, really sunny type areas that are putting these materials outside, outdoor barbecues, uh, outdoor sinks, you know, uh, counters, whatever. And guess what? It doesn't hold up because the polyesters start breaking down in the sunlight. Now, if you've ever taken a piece of, let's say, PVC pipe and stuck it out all summer long, come back at the end of the summer and tap it with a hammer, you'll notice that it's very brittle. This is what's happening to these engineered materials that are being put outside. As a matter of fact, if you look at a lot of the limited warranties that are out there, for example, I was just looking at one before the show from Cambria, uh, they do not warranty it if it's placed outside or even, even if it's not exposed to the sun, if it's even a shaded area, as long as it's outside, they do not warranty it. Uh, one of the things 
they also won't warranty at Addison steam type showers. Uh, polyester does not like moisture, does not like water. So until they come up with resistant, uh, UV resistant type uh, binder, such as a resistant polyester, or if they can uh, somehow work epoxies into it, um, we're going to have an issue with these uh, uh, quartz surfaces or engineered stones that are becoming a problem with uh, being used in the outdoors. I've seen it happen even in kitchens, even in kitchens that have very, very large windows where it's exposed to sunlight. A lot of times you will see this material breaking down, uh, discoloring, either becoming dark or becoming light. So uh, it, it's a real issue. Okay, we're going to talk about repairing these. We're going to talk about some of these other issues. But before I do, let's go ahead and switch gears a little bit and talk about quartzite because there's some a lot of issues with quartzite. First, let's take a look at what quartzite is. So let's get put our geology hat on for a second. And you know, quartzite is a metamorphic rock like like marble. Marble is also metamorphic. Metamorphic means to simply change. It starts out as a sandstone, sand grains. It becomes compressed, stuck together over a long period of time. It's compacted and you end up with a material called quartzite. So quartzite is quartz. Uh, it's mainly quartz. It may have some minor accessory minerals in it that give it its color. Uh, most quartzites are going to be, you know, white or light in color. Um, there, there are some dark ones, but, you know, if you introduce iron into some of these uh, quartzite materials during the formation process, you'll get, you'll get reds, you'll get blues, you'll get greens, you'll get different, different hues. But generally, they're very, very light, light in color. But just keep in mind, quartzite is a natural material that's made primarily of quartz. So what's that mean? Well, Unlike granite, granite is, you know, probably in a 60 percentile as far as quartz goes with feldspar and other minerals involved. Quartzite is mainly quartz. So that means that it has a hardness about seven. Now, seven, for those of you that aren't familiar with what we call the Mohs hardness scale, goes on a, a, a scale of one being the softest material to 10 being the hardest material. And all these are our reference minerals, you know, one being being talc. Uh, and a 10 being a diamond, quartz is, is a seven. So it's a very hard material and very easy, or no, I'm sorry, not so easy to scratch. It means it's resistant to acids. It's an excellent material. However, here's where the problem comes in. There are a lot of materials being sold and they are being sold by stone distributors as quartzite and they're not quartzite. I can't tell you how many calls I get on a regular basis from professionals, fabricators, restoration guys, as well as consumers that say, I was sold quartzite. I was told it had all these fabulous properties that I had just mentioned. And lo and behold, it's etching with acids. If it's a true quartzite, it will not etch. However, there are some rare instances where you do have some quartzites that have what we call calcium binders. And for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, calcite is the main mineral found in marble, calcium carbonate, that's the mineral that will etch. But what's happening is we're getting a lot of what we call dolomitic marbles that are being sold as quartzite and they're not quartzite. An example, one you wanna stay away from unless you're looking for marble, is one called super white. Uh, super white goes by many, many different names, but super white is probably the most common name that I've heard uh, with quartzite materials. And uh, these materials are not quartzites. They are actually dolomitic marbles. Uh, how do you tell? You know, let's say whether you're 
polymer or a fabricator, uh, you're looking at a slab. How do you tell it's the real McCoy or not? Very simple. You can take a piece of glass and you could try scratching it. Now, make sure it's a true scratch if you rub it across the surface and not just a mark that the glass is leaving. If it scratches, guess what? It's not quartzite. It's going to be a marble. Another test is what we call the acid test. And the simplest product to use there, besides going out and buying some acid, would be a lemon wedge. I'll simply take a lemon wedge, set it on the material. Now, if it's porous, because quartzite can be porous, uh, it may darken. But what you want to look for is when you remove that lemon after about a minute, you're going to see or not see an etch, you know, a dull area. If you see that, you have calcium present. More than, well, regardless of whether you think it's real quartzite or not, if it etches, you don't want it in your kitchen uh, unless you want to pay a restoration guy on a regular basis to come in and, and fix that material. So uh, be extremely careful when, when it comes to that. Now, there are materials like Fantasy Brown. Uh, you may have heard of Fantasy Brown, which is it's, it's simply layers of marble and with some quartzite. It's mostly marble, but a lot of uh, suppliers will categorize that as a quartzite when – it's really not a true uh, quartzite. You know, true quartzite is going to be 99% quartz. Okay, uh, if you're having etching, if you're having scratching, it is not a quartzite. So, for you designers out there, for you architects out there, hopefully that that's going to be a simple, a simple explanation that'll that'll tell you about it. Now, what I'm going to talk about next, as well as answering some of your questions, is uh, repair of some of these materials. But let me go ahead and give you the contact information. If you're listening now, uh, the phone number is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. I wouldn't try calling that number if you're not listening live. It is Wednesday, March 28th, and it's about 6.14 p.m. So if you're listening live, go ahead and call in with your question, whether it's on Quartz or Quartzite. Also, send me an email, and I do have a couple of emails to go through here uh, when we're done uh, with the quartz surface versus quartzite debate here. Uh, and that is my email is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. Or, again, you can look on my Facebook page. Um, rather than taking a commercial break because I don't have any sponsors yet, uh, let me go ahead and uh, give myself a plug. I am going to add one of my stone inspection troubleshooting classes, which I normally only do once a year uh, around January in Las Vegas. I'm going to add one this year to uh, uh, in Melbourne, Florida, which is where I live. Uh, Melbourne, Florida, for those of you that don't know, is south of Cocoa Beach and east of Orlando, about an hour east of Orlando. Uh, really nice, nice area on June 11th uh, through the 14th. For those of you that are interested in that class, it's a great class. I limit the number of people that come to that class to 10 and I rarely have that many. Uh, so if you want to sign up, go to my website, which is stoneforensics.com. All right. Let's take a look at uh, how you repair some of these problems. Uh, first, let's take a look at the engineered materials, the quartz surfaces. The first thing I want to say about repairs, I don't care what kind of repairs you're making, whether it's a chip, whether it's a crack, whether it's, uh, you know, discoloration, which if you can repair that, um, a couple of things you need to be aware of. In most cases, and this is where you need to check the actual warranty on the material itself, any type of repairs may void the warranty. 
especially surface polishing. And we'll talk about surface polishing in a minute because I know a lot of you have issues with, you know, how do you get that stippled, you know, alligator skin, orange look, peel, if you wish, uh, surface to quartz surfaces. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But before you attempt any repairs, uh, make sure the customer is aware that it may void any kind of warranty. And as I had mentioned, some of the warranties are quite specific. Uh, do not install outdoors. Do not use a hot plate. Do not put boiling water on it. Uh, one I was reading before the show here stated to only use soap and water. And they had a list of approved cleaners. They don't want you using anything like Windex. You know, in essence, if you look at a lot of these warranties, and I'm, I'm not trying to downplay any uh, manufacturers out there, a lot of them basically will point the finger either at the installation, in the case of a crack, uh, or uh, something the consumer did. They stood on it. If it's a crack, uh, they used the wrong chemical, they didn't use a proper cleaner, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, just make sure you go ahead and look at that warranty and uh, be specific about it before you make any repairs. I know several of the uh, manufacturers out there were looking at certifying, you know, install not installers, but well, actually they were certifying installers as well, but also certifying restoration people. And I haven't quite followed up on that. So if anyone knows the answer to that, feel free to call in at 323-870-3968. As I said, there's so many manufacturers out there now, it's really hard uh, to keep keep up with them couple of things on fabrication that I want to discuss and that is you know I know years ago when these materials started first coming out we had a lot of stone guys you know basically saying oh I'll never I'll never fabricate that crap blah 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 I'm a stone guy well I'm going to be frank with you guys even though my name is Fred and that is you're crazy if you don't offer these materials simply because consumers want them you know why would you turn a consumer away who wants a Cambria or a Silestone or, or whatever very simple. You use the same tools that you're using for your granite. Uh, blades might be a little different. Your finishing diamonds may be a little bit different. But other than that, it's pretty much the same darn thing. So why not offer them? Uh, consumers like that contemporary look. And sometimes you can't get that contemporary look with, with granite or marble. Uh, although I'm seeing a lot of these engineering materials that are mimicking uh, granite and marble. Um, you know, Caesar stone has one that looks like Jerusalem limestone. If you put the two side by side, you couldn't tell the difference. Cambria has one that looks like a white marble. And, you know, if you look at some of these uh, new materials they're coming out with new, new surfaces, new designs, uh, a lot of them look like um, uh, the real McCoy. And, and in many cases, and it depends on your market. And I, I realize I have a worldwide audience here, but it uh, depends on your market. But in some cases, I've seen engineered stone costs more than real granite or quartzite. So uh, that's something, if you're a consumer, you might want to take take a look at as well. Uh, from a fabrication standpoint, one big no-no with most of your engineered stone material is you don't want any sharp right inside angles. So where would you have those? Obviously, in a sink cutout where you have a big sink cutout, you want to core those corners as opposed to using an inside right angle because an inside right angle, and I would apply this to, to stone as well, is make sure you radius that because anytime you have a sharp inside corner like that, it's an area that's going to possibly crack. And a lot of the cracks that I've seen in stone as well as these engineering materials always start in a corner like that. And you'll even see that on tile. You'll see a tile that goes around a, a corner in a room and they've made a sharp inside 
you know, 45 or 90 degree angle there, uh, it'll crack. Uh, it'll almost always crack. So radius those. You can get core bits that are extremely small. So uh, make sure you go ahead and do that. All right, refinishing it. I would make sure that you use diamonds, you know, your diamond abrasives that are specific for engineered materials. Now, we've got two types of polishing that go on here. We've got the edge profiling, which is fairly simple. Um, you want to make sure you don't use any metal bond diamonds on the edge because you're dealing with a resin. And if you use metal bond diamonds, you can actually burn the resin. You want to use plenty of water and generally low RPMs. And that applies for surface polishing, surface polishing being on the surface on the top. You have a scratch in there, for example. Before you grab your hand machine, before you grab your diamond tools, I want to give you a little little advice here that can save you a lot of time and a lot of headache. And this is for the fabricators and the restoration guys out there. And I do this all the time when I teach my engineered stone classes, fabrication classes, as well as my repair and restoration classes. And that is go pick yourself up a small hand microscope. Uh, you can buy them online at Amazon.com for less than 50 bucks. You can you can buy a good one for a hundred bucks and place a scratch, not with a diamond, put a scratch on your engineered material, say with a uh, with another piece of uh, engineered material, another piece of quartzite or quartz, and you'll see a nice long scratch, right? Now take your microscope and look at that scratch very closely, and what you'll notice is this: you'll notice that the resin is scratched, the quartz is not. The resin is scratched, the quartz is not. So in most cases, not all the cases. But in most cases, what you're seeing scratched is actually the resin, the polyester resin that's in these materials, not the quartz. So what does that mean? Well, that means fixing it can be fairly simple. And I'm going to give you that fix here in a second. So you know, don't go running for the diamonds right away. And we'll get to that in a second. So what you want to do is take a number one grade steel wool pad and take some acetone. Pour it on the air where the scratch is. Take your steel wool and by hand, not with a hand machine, by hand, you know, put it under the palm of your hand and just kind of rub it really, really hard, working the acetone from a wet consistency to dry. And you'll notice you'll blend scratch right into and, and repair it like that. I've saved fabricators thousands of dollars on replacing countertops with that little trick. So remember, acetone. Number one, steel wool. Rub it really, really hard with, with the acetone. Now, the only time you might have an issue with that is on a light-colored engineered materials because the steel wool will sometimes have a tendency to, uh, to darken. The, the steel wool will actually bleed uh, into the surface of the stone. If that's the case, you can take a nylon pad, uh, a white nylon pad, for example, with uh, some steel wool after you've done that, and you can get rid of the uh, discoloration. Sometimes denatured alcohol will work, but in most cases, acetone will work. Just make sure you use the protective gear, especially gloves, because acetone, the use of acetone on your hands can affect your nervous system and drive you crazy. So you don't want to do that. Okay, let's talk about how we get the final polish if we have to break out the diamonds. And this is where the problem comes in. Most of the people that do this call me and say, Fred, I got a great polish. As a matter of fact, I got a polish higher than the original polish, but it's now very highly polished and it doesn't have that same appearance as the factory finish has. How do you get that factory finish? Well, there are a number of techniques. And depending on who you talk to, you're going to get all kinds of techniques. I'll tell you what works in most cases for me. First thing you might want to try is take some granite polishing powder. Granite polishing powder is primarily tin oxide. Just take some tin oxide, 
sprinkle it on the surface, take a little bit of water, and then just take a, a white pad and just rub it by hand. And what that's doing is it's, it's cleaning off all the excess resin that you've smeared across it with your final di diamond pad. There are also polishing compounds now that are being made uh, for engineered materials to give you that final, final polish, uh, as well as I think Alpha also has a pad which is designed for giving you uh, that texture as well. So you might want to, you know, talk with your distributors, you know, your Braxton Braggs, Grand Quartz, Regent Products, uh, and many of the others that are out there. Uh, see what uh, particular pads they have. Everyone's always coming up with a new way to get that, that finish back if you have to do it. As I said, if you don't, I would prefer you, uh, you go to that uh, little technique I gave you about the acetone and that. All right. The call-in numbers are 323 eight seven zero three nine six eight that is three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight send me an email if you wish the email is f houston f h u e s t o n at gmail dot com and we'll get to that here in the next few minutes uh to some of your emails from the last two weeks where the radio show didn't air um, or go ahead and go to my uh, Facebook page, which is Stone Forensics. If you just go to the search topic in Stone Forensics, uh, you'll find my page. You can go ahead and shoot me a message there if you want, or go ahead and post it on my wall. I don't care. And we'll go ahead and uh, answer answer your question as well. So uh, a few minutes here to uh, call in, if you will. So uh, feel free to uh, call in, and uh, we'll try to answer your questions. So let me go ahead and get to – let me find my questions here. Here we are that I got uh, over the past couple of weeks. Um, the questions I got was uh, on biological growth. And this particular instance, toilet water had over, has overflown into a marble floor, and the con customer was concerned about mold, mildew, any kind of biological, uh, biological growth. Well, my first question is always this. Was it clean toilet water, or was there something in it <laughs> that uh, could could you know mold mildew? It needs moisture, which is obviously from the water itself, and uh, also it needs a food source. If there's no food source there now, in most stone installations, they're inorganic materials. In other words, you have your thin sets, you have you know say a concrete slab thin set or, or whatever mud bed, uh, and then your stone. Those are all inorganic materials. There's no food available for them. Now, if it's set over plywood, plywood is an organic material and will provide a, a food source for, for biological, biological growth. So the question I keep getting is, how do I know? How do I know I have biological growth in there? Well, there really is only one way to tell that, that I know of, and that is you've got to tear a tile up. Got to tear a tile up, take a look, see if there's any visible mold or mildew in there. If there is, well, then you got a problem. Then you know you have some uh, organic material there that's feeding on that, that the mold, mildew, whatever is the biological growth is feeding on. Uh, if you want to be specific and you want to know what type of biological growth it is, you can go to any of the big box stores, your Home Depot, your Lowe's, or whatever, and you can actually pick up a kit. You take a swab. Uh, you put it in an envelope, you send it off for, I don't know, 30 bucks or whatever, and they'll come back and they'll tell you whether you're dealing with, you know, harmful mold and mildew, whether the installation has to be torn up or not. So uh, that's the only other way I can, uh, that I know. I mean, I guess you could take air samples, uh, but most of you don't have that, that type of equipment. You'd have to call a mold reme remediator in uh, to do that. So uh, that's something you might uh, 
might want to be cautious about. So if there's organic material present, chances are you could have. Not necessarily will all the time, but you actually could have. Um, you know, we didn't talk about repairing quartzites, and quartzite repair is similar to what granite repair is. You can use polyesters for indoor repairs, uh, outdoor repairs. Of course, you can use quartzite if it's not resin, which most that I know of are not, uh, although there may be some resin. If um, you guys are dealing with resin quartzites, please uh, call in and let me know or send me an email so I can correct myself on that. But uh, as far as I know, most of the, quart the true quartzites uh, that I have seen are not resin at all. Uh, one thing I do want to mention, going back to the engineered materials, is sealing. Uh, several manufacturers do not recommend sealing their materials. As a matter of fact, some of them will react violently uh, to certain sealers, uh, especially to solvent-based sealers. They'll actually dull the surface down. Uh, not all the materials will do that. Again, I would refer you back to the warranty on those materials. Uh, if it's Cambria, look at their warranty. If it's Silestone, look at their warranty and read the specifics because applying any kind of a sealer, I know 10X has a, has a sealer for it and a couple other companies have sealers for them. But again, it may void the warranty. So uh, be extremely careful uh, when it comes to, comes to the repairing and applying sealers any kind of sealer, whether it's an impregnator or a topical sealer, uh, to these engineered materials. Of course, that doesn't apply to quartzite. I mean, quartzite, some quartzites can be extremely porous. And for that reason, uh, you'll want to use a good impregnator on them. All right, let me look and see what other emails that we have here from, uh, from, from last week. Um, we mentioned no 90 degree, uh, uh, inside angles, which is extremely important. I guess the number one failure that I see on countertop installations, regardless of whether it's quartzite, engineered materials, granite, or whatever, is installation failures. And, you know, I can't really tell you on the radio here how to properly install. I guess I could walk you through it, uh, but you know, it'd be kind of difficult. But, you know, make sure you uh, install these per manufactured in the, in the case of engineered materials. And if it's a natural stone, uh, in guidance with uh, uh, the MIA, Marvel Institute of America's uh, guidelines, and for those of you not familiar with that, uh, the Marvel Institute of America, now called the Natural Stone Institute of America, they changed the name, uh, does have a dimension stone manual that uh, gives you some guidelines for that. So I would follow those uh, guidelines very, very carefully. Okay, one last chance before I start wrapping things up here uh, for this show uh, with a call-in question or an email question. Again, the phone number, 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. My email is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. I will be back on the air again next Wednesday. I Again, I, I, for those of you that didn't listen to the top of the show, I apologize for the last two weeks. One was a family matter. The second was I hit the wrong button. Uh, I have a, you know, this, this software is kind of tricky because it has a little thing on, on the corner of I'm looking at my screen that says on air. And when you first log in, it actually dials a phone number to log me in. Well, the little box that showed up, I kind of closed out of. And when I closed out of it, it shut me off and I didn't realize it. So I ended up talking for you know, 30, 45 minutes to myself. So I had a good show. <laughs> I was the only person there, though. Uh, but anyway, hopefully this one will record and you'll be listening. Uh, if you are listening on the archive version and not live, uh, still feel free to send me an email question. I will answer emails 
on some of the other upcoming shows. So one last time, phone number 323-870-3968. Also, if anybody would like to be interviewed for whatever reason, do you have a product? Do you have a, a fab shop? Do you have some interesting information that you can share with our readers, our listeners, not our readers, our listeners, uh, be more than happy to uh, uh, look at interviewing you. Um, again, the show goes out to the public. It goes out to fabricators, restoration, architects, designers, anyone who wants to listen to it basically can listen to it. So I'd like to make it uh, informative for everybody all, all the way around. So if you're a consumer and you you know, have a question concerning your installation or what you're deciding, do I want quartzite? Do I want quartz surface? Do I want granite? Do I want marble? Feel free to drop me a, um, a an email and we'll be more than happy to, uh, to answer that. I also have on my Facebook page a what I call a stone inspection slash troubleshooting forum uh, which is basically for uh, people in the industry although if you want to listen you know read some of the comments we have on there uh, as a consumer that's fine with me or an architect or a designer but uh, every Friday I post what is called failure Friday Uh, you have to ask to join that particular uh, group so again go on to my site uh, or go on to Facebook and just type in Stone Inspections or Stone Forensics. You'll get my Facebook website, and you'll see a little button there somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where that'll ask to uh, to join, and we can go ahead and um, uh, accept you or ignore you <laughs> if I if I wish to, and uh, get you in. I don't ignore many people on that, uh, other than I, I guess sometimes get a lot of foreign quarries and foreign exporters who want to sell me stone. Well, I don't buy stone anymore, so I don't want them pushing their advertising uh, onto that, that particular site, so I'll only block them or, or not accept them if I recognize them as, as that type of uh, individual or, or company. But anyway, all right, I guess, um, let me see if I have any more emails left here. Let me go to my, my email here real quick and see what I have. Uh, let's see, I have an inspection coming up this week. I've been getting a lot of hurricane inspections from the, the hurricane that happened last year, so I'm keeping busy uh, busy with that. But, no, I don't see anything that has come in in the last few minutes anyway. Just let me click the refresh button, and we'll see. Nope. All right. Well, then I think I'll wrap up the show for this week. I'll see everybody again next week. Uh, everybody have a good Easter if you celebrate Easter. If not, then have a good weekend. Uh, this is Fred Houston from the Stone and Tile Show. See everybody next week. <laughs>